Hey, Ben, is that a new phone? It is. Uh, my, my last phone, it was three years and four months old, and it just bricked itself. There I was using it, and then, you know, five minutes later, it's, it's just off. Oh, that sucks. Well, I'm glad you were able to get a new one. Did you get a good price for it? Huh? I, I guess it was okay. Well, you know, it's too bad that you didn't break it around Memorial Day or something, because then you could get a, a nice sale. If I could have waited, that would have been nice, but, you know... You can only go so long in the modern day without a phone number, you know. Well, by the end of this episode, we're going to learn why Ben's phone, even though it's really cool and he likes it, it's actually cursed. I'm Liz Landau. And I'm Ben Clemens. And this is Pod, Pod Paper, Paper Scissors. Scissors. You gotta make decisions. Will you cooperate or defect? So Liz, to start off, I want to tell you a sad story about oil conglomerates. I didn't think oil conglomerates had feelings. Uh, You're going to weep. Weep, Liz, for the cursed, cursed oil companies. So in in this episode, I'm going to tell you about the winner's curse, which comes from oil field auctions. But I thought it was always good to be a winner. Yeah, and that's what the curse is about. It's about how if you if you win an auction, you're very likely to regret winning the auction. Well, why is that, Ben? Here's the story. You're you're an oil conglomerate. That's me, an oil conglomerate. That's that's way too cute. Can, can you give me like uh, what what does an oil conglomerate sound like on on radio? I'm an oil conglomerate. Okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll have to go with that. Okay, so a new oil field has opened up, and you want to bid on the rights to uh, drill, baby, drill. They call the auction, everyone gets together, and not only do you not want to talk to your competitors, it's it's actually illegal, right? It would be collusion. So you're on your own, Liz. Well, well, I can't share information, but I'll do my own research and do some test drilling. Okay. So let let's say you find something find something good in the test drill. Oil fields, they have kind of like a bell curve distribution. Like if you if you get a test drill with like, and I don't know these things. You're the oil conglomerate, but like, this field is gonna bear like a million barrels. It's gonna be a million barrels plus or minus something, right? Okay, so you did your test drilling. Yeah. Give give me a number. How how many barrels of oil did you find? I I found twenty barrels of oil. Okay, so this this field is gonna bear twenty barrels of oil. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so I did some drilling. My drill was not as optimistic, and I found that the field was going to bear eight barrels. And then uh, we have another competitor. Uh, let's call that. Let's call them Maurice. And Maurice did some drilling and found like ten barrels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're all going to bid. I don't know what a barrel of oil it costs these days. I let's just call it a dollar. Okay, that's as plausible to me as any other number. Maurice is going to bid $10, and I'm going to bid $8, and you're going to bid 20 Maybe you'll lowball and bid $19. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you're going to win the auction. Maurice and I are going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. So you just paid $19 because you were the high bidder, because you had the highest random draw out of this field. Then you go out, you keep drilling, and you find out, well, actually, you've only got like 10 barrels of oil. That means you paid too much. Well, that's not fair. If I had known what other people found, then I probably would have bid something in the middle. You're cursed. And now 
This is where we feel bad for Liz the oil conglomerate. There's nothing she can do. Oh, I get it. The solution is to have as much money as possible so you don't feel bad for overpaying. <laughs> I guess that's what the oil conglomerates actually do. Oh. Uh, I, I was going to go with war games. You know, the, the only way to win is to not play. But yeah, your oil conglomerates aren't going to do that. So that's, that's, that's the winner's curse. If, they're, if you're in an auction-type situation, then, yeah, there's, there's always a risk for this. You know, that story about the oil company and overpaying for oil, it kind of reminds me of when I bought a pair of pants. Tell me about the pants. In the before times, when coworkers actually saw the bottom half of your body, I liked buying nice pants. And when I was with my friend at Anthropology, I saw this pair of pants. It's kind of capri style with brown flowers. I, I felt like it would be perfect for autumn, even though it was August. I bought them, even though they were $128. I was like, well... Wow, that, that's $64 per pant. That is $64 per leg. That is true. And or did may, you may, maybe it would have been 70, but you got a volume discount? I guess so. D okay. Did you know that topologically speaking, pants have two holes? Uh wait, wait, okay, okay, we're off topic. Though my mind is blown. Okay, so you, you bought um a two-holed piece of apparel. And I was very satisfied with my purchase. They looked great on me. The waist fit perfectly. It was Showing off my ankles, which I was proud of at that time. Whoa. But guess what? Then what happened? <laughs> a couple months later, I was at a different anthropology store back in Pasadena, and my pants that I already owned were on sale at half price. Wow. For two, so two pants for the price of one. Yeah. And not only that, after Black Friday... Mm -hmm. The same pair of pants was basically discounted 80% of the price that I originally paid. That's pretty deep. This whole situation got me thinking about how, especially with a clothing store that has these cycles of discounts according to federal holidays like Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. As a consumer, it's almost like you are participating in an auction like if you a hundred percent want that pair of pants that dress that shirt and you are not willing to take the risk that it will sell out in your size then you'll pay full price but if you're willing to wait until the next sale then you'll get at least a 20 or 30 percent discount and if you're really willing to wager that the item that you want is still available, you know, maybe even three or four months later, you might actually get more than half discount. So you can picture an auctioneer standing there saying, I've got this pile of pants. Who'll pay 129? 129. Do I hear 129? It was as though I said, I shall, I shall pay 128 plus tax. And then uh, a week later, the auctioneer's like, 100. I've got some pants left. Who wants to pay 100 And then a month later, the auctioneer is down to, all right, 30 bucks. Who'll, who'll pay 30 bucks for these? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about it as auction-like, but I, I guess that's the kind of thing they're doing. 
The term for this, by the way, is Dutch auction. This sort of thing where you start at the highest price and you just sort of wait to see if anyone will buy at a certain price. It comes it comes from uh, how they sold tulips. That's why it's Dutch. So they, uh, they'd, they'd have this giant clock. So they put out a lot of tulips and the clock starts at, I, I don't know, like $100 or something. And it slowly ticks down, 99, 98, 97. And at some point somebody says, stop the clock, I'll buy. And they stop the clock and that person walks away. So it, wait, so getting back to the winner's curse, did, did you regret buying the pants? Were they not worth $129 once you took them home and put them on? I have to say, I really love them. I still do. But it could be a post-purchase rationalization. How were you rationalizing? Yeah, when you pay too much for something, you can still make yourself feel better by saying it was worth it. Okay. I've, I've probably done this many times. Oh, is that how you feel about your house, Ben? Yeah. Though I think I think I'm forthright about my my regrets on that. So yeah, house bidding winners curses are easy to have, right? They are exactly what we've been talking about. You have a bunch of people and they all show up and they inspect the thing and they're like, "Well, here's wh- how I think it's going to go up in the next couple of years, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then the highest bidder wins. To tell you about me, I bought a house in catastrophic condition catastrophic yeah we, we named it the partisan because it leans it had like some foundation damage and throughout the house it was it was in like very bad condition the the prior owner was in bad health and he was basically physically incapable of maintaining the house that's kind of sad but uh the winner's curse comes in here because i came in and looked at the damage and i was like well i don't know what it's going to cost i'm a total amateur well, let's, it'll cost $50. I don't know. Duct tape the, the house to the house next door or something. And other people came in and they were like, no, th- this is catastrophic and it's going to cost us $300,000 to fix or something. So I was the dumb one. I was the one who was too optimistic. And so I won the bid. And in winning the bid, that indicated that I was too optimistic about how much it would cost to fix the house. And to think, Ben... You put all that money and effort into it, and now you have a podcasting studio. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was all worth it. I will ex post rationalize. But yeah, it, like the house buying, it's it's exactly an example of this kind of thing where everyone has their own independent evaluation and they all come in and look. And, you know, the the final outcome is that the person who was more optimistic than everyone else. And yeah, you know, like if they all got together and voted, they would come to a consensus that cost of the d- fixes or the value of the house is closer to the middle and not up where the high bidder is bidding. All right. Well, it's not like we should tell people to stop buying houses. So, I mean, what would be a better way to do things? Well, there there are a couple of ways to do it. And, you know, for for a lot of other auctions, like the, the Dutch auction, by the way, look how much information gets hidden. Right, you can't see what other people want to bid for the item, and so you just have to guess. If you and if you win, the only thing you know is that other people's values were lower, but you don't know like were they all thinking it's worth a dollar, or did they think it was worth ninety nine dollars and you bid a hundred? Part of the point of a Dutch auction is that it sort of hides a lot of other people's thinking. So the more information you can share, the better off you are. 
That's one thing. Wait, what? Okay, how does that relate to shopping in anthropology? Okay, because we're not buying tulips with a clock. We're buying pants. We're buying pants at a posh, bougie store for women who want to dress nicely. Yeah, so anthropology wants to hide the information too. Like, imagine if they came out and told you, you know, like, here's our schedule. It's going to be 129 and then six months from now, it's going to be $30. Like, you said 128 and I keep saying 129 It doesn't matter. Okay. If you had that information, then you wouldn't play the game, right? Everyone no, but, but but here's the thing, Ben. It's that there's only so many pairs of pants and there's only so many in each size. Mm-hmm. So even if you had perfect information that six months from now, if there are still pants available, they will be $100 less. You don't know how many will actually be available in six months. Huh. Interesting. That's why when I go in these days and I see something I really love, sometimes I will still pay full price if I don't want to take the risk that the particular size of the particular dress or pants or shirt won't mm-hmm. be there when it does become cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, so you're minimizing regret. Yeah. Okay. You know what, Ben? I've actually been on a eBay and consignment shop kick in recent years because I'd like to think that I'm not contributing to clothing waste. It's very sustainable and often cheaper. And in fact, I can recognize things that I've seen at Anthropology and similar stores years ago on eBay. Yeah, and uh, they're an auction site, right? So and, that's an actual auction. Yeah, and, and they have this problem that if the winner's curse hits every every bidder, every winner, like you're not gonna come back, right? So so they they can't treat the customers like oil conglomerates. Maybe we should talk about that more on next episode. I think we should. I think how eBay does its auctions is it it's it generalizes to a lot of things, including back to house buying. And there's a lot of interesting game theory to it. So yeah, let let's tune in next time and we'll we'll cover cover second price auctions on pod, pod paper, paper scissors. scissors.